This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley's pasture-raised chicken sticks. I'm super excited to share Paleo Valley's brand new pasture-raised chicken sticks. These chicken sticks are made from 100% pasture-raised chicken and organic spices that are preserved using natural fermentation rather than preservatives. So yes, no fake stuff or additives here. These chicken sticks are sourced from regenerative family farms raised on American pastures and each stick is free of chemicals, antibiotics, pesticides, and added hormones. Paleo Valley's chicken sticks are a perfect snack packed with 7 grams of protein and frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.com slash nwj and use code nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks again for listening and supporting this podcast. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. carnivore doctor on with me and we did a Q&A. We talk about eating disorders. We talk about carnivore, why she went carnivore 11 years ago. I am so excited. Um, I know many of us don't know her because she was a little bit more private. Um, she helped people in her immediate life, but she wasn't as active on social media. And now she's about to change those things and she wants to share her journey so that she can help others heal. And so when you have a question about Oh, but can you do this long-term? Can you really heal long-term? Well, she is a living proof that you can do this for 11 years. All right, let's get into this Q&A. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy, and today I am so excited, but I have Carnivore Doctor, and we are going to talk about her journey as a veteran carnivore. Many of you have not heard of her yet, but you are going to absolutely love her, and I cannot wait to interview her. So Lisa, thank you so much um, for being with me today. It's great to be here, Judy. For those um, that don't know you, if you can just kind of introduce yourself, um, if you can share a little bit about your story and what made you go carnivore and how long you've been carnivore. Sure. Well, so I am an optometric physician for about 30 years, and I struggled um, my whole life for with carb addiction, eating disorders. Um, I come from a background where my parents are obese and type 2 diabetic. My brother's obese, type 1 diabetic. And I knew I was heading down that road. Um, I, I don't, I don't, not really sure what the genetic connection is with carb addiction, but I certainly had it. Mm-hmm. And I spent time just surfing the internet over and over. And I got somehow led to paleo eating for a little bit. And after that, I was really fortunate to somehow um, surf onto Charles Washington's Zeroing In on Health um, uh, forum at the time. There was no Facebook for, for that then. But there was a really great small community of, uh, I guess what I say, innovators in the field <laughs> of, of this whole carnivore movement. They had gotten kicked off Jimmy Moore's low-carb website, and they formed their own group. And oh, what wow. Yeah, what attracted me was there was two women who were just openly writing about how this cured them of their eating disorders. So, bam, right away, that was my my ticket to start right in. And that was almost 11 years ago. Wow. So, long time. How many people were in that forum back then? 
Well, back then, it, it, at first it was under 100, you know, when oh, okay. it, was, it was just this small startup group of a thread that they took off of the Jimmy Moore, you know, forum, mm -hmm. shifted over onto um, Charles actually funded himself this zeroing in on health uh, website where we where, you know, these everybody was sort of just journaling their own journal and PMing back and forth and, you know. And then we started having meetups and then it just kind of continued to grow from there. And then there was thousands and, um, you know, our, our whole, you know, our whole way of saying this is okay was that there was the bears, um, Stanley mm -hmm. Osley. And, um, they, they had the PDF of his whole writings on there. And cause you know, at that point, Charles had already, I guess he was carnivore a couple of years at that point. And okay. I jumped in. I said, you know what? Uh, even if this cures, cures me of my carb addiction, it's worth it. And I will see what the health implications are down the road. And thank goodness it ended up being that golden ticket. And um, I feel healthier than I've ever felt in my life. So what else um, have you healed other than, um, I guess, your relationship with sugar and carbs? So for me, um, I know back in college, I remember I had some bloating issues and, and abdominal pain. I couldn't really ever figure out what it was. I was trying to connect it to pizza or connect it to whatever, and I could never really figure it out. And so I, I actually never got tested because once, um, once I started into the no flour, no sugar, Mm -hmm. That initially really helped me out. And then um, I also, back then, this was in my, I guess, late 20s, um, I had, you know, acne along my neckline. I don't know if anybody, if you go on my Instagram, um, Carnivore Doctor, you can see I posted the before and two weeks after um, turning Carnivore, and it totally cleared up. Um, so that, that's really the main thing. Oh, that's powerful. So do you have weight loss as well? Um, I mean, I know that you, um, you know, w again, with the eating disorder, but I mean, was there weight loss? Like, did you look different? There, there, there was for me. Um, I, I, I definitely got leaner. Um, I, I, there, there was just body composition changes that were beneficial. Um, and, and for sure, I, um, I, <laughs> it, I, I felt like I was at the point where it was, amazing that I could actually eat and eat until I was full yes, and yes. actually lose weight or not gain weight. So, right. and so how long did, did it take for you to sort of, you know, going from paleo to carnivore, how long did it take you, do you think to like acclimate to this new diet? Well, um, I guess because when I was paleo, I, you know, I pretty much went by the whole, I, I read that book, Neanderthin, and if you okay. were on savanna with a sharp stick, you could eat it. But um, so it was mainly, I was heavily, you know, meat, seafood, mm -hmm. eggs, cheese kind of thing. But um, I found, because it would allow fruits and nuts, I could binge on dried apricots. Mm -hmm. I could binge on nuts. Um, so from there, that's when uh, I kind of say, fortunately for me, I jumped right over the whole keto movement and missed that whole boat and was right into carnivore. I didn't count micros or macros or carbs. I just, once I, I hit on the, the, the zeroing in on health group, I did not really have that difficult of a, a, a time. I'd say maybe a couple weeks of feeling a little low energy, Mm -hmm. Maybe a little weird heart palpitations when I was, you know, doing my normal, you know, tennis clinic 
And I thought, this is a little weird, but let's just keep going with it. And I think the most important thing to tell people is when you are going through that transition, stay in daily contact with, you know, your support peeps, whoever you find them to be, whether it's Judy or me or, you know, Sean Baker, whoever, whoever you feel like the communication is, is there for you to read and know that you're not alone in this journey. And there's a lot of other people struggling and a lot of other people who are having hope that this is going to work. And it, it sure can if you, if you really, you know, set your mind to it and you have a motivating factor. You have to have your why. Right. So for you then, so I know for me, when I first was eating a ton of meat, you know, the, you know, that like, that little voice in your head is like, oh my gosh, if you eat this much meat, you're going to gain weight. You're going to, you know, do you need a binge and purge? So how did you kind of overcome that to then not have those voices in your head and then not use your behaviors? Um, I, I think mainly it was that I actually... Uh, over time, just, you know, weeks and then months, mm-hmm. just saw that there, this, this actually works. It, it wasn't anything where I had to worry that I was going to pack on the pounds. I mean, I was eating, you know, pounds of ground beef and steaks and ribs and kielbasa. And I thought, this is crazy. This is never going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find I, I have issues with cheese <laughs> being from an, an addictive background. I do love cheese and I still struggle with deciding whether I'm giving it up and, 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 and being free of that or letting that be my one thing or my God, I gave up everything else. Let me at least have a piece. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, um, an interesting journey that I've just discovered over now, like I said, almost 11 years later that I don't have to worry that I'm going to, you know, have to buy larger clothes and, um, I can just trust it. And I've not been um, ill. I have not had any sort of nothing even close to scurvy or whatever else. All my shocked friends that say, why, my God, you don't eat vegetables and fruit. How can you possibly be healthy? Don't you know you have to eat that? And I said, no, you don't, actually. (laughs) And I feel like I'm a picture of health. So does a day of eating look like for you? And then has it changed since, I guess, 11 years ago and Uh, Not so much. Um, It hasn't really changed too much. I, I, the only thing that's been changing for me as, um, as I'm getting older and realizing that, you know, maybe um, actually I haven't gone through menopause yet, um, which is very strange at the age of 55. I don't know if carnivore has anything to do with that, but um, I'm I'm realizing that, you know, (laughs) the cheese is, the cheese has got to go if I'm going to stay in my bikini. (laughs) Um, But a day of eating really is just, wait till I'm hungry and have a a huge steak, you know, pound and a half um, and wait till I get hungry again and maybe have a pound of ground beef later. Um, I I do dabble now uh, also with some intermittent fasting because I just find that works well. Yeah. Um, You know, usually nothing more than the one meal a day thing. I consider intermittent fasting. I, I do occasionally try to do 36 hours and I'm just experimenting with that myself, but Typical eating really is I, I try to stick with um, uh, with beef. Okay. So, and you eat about like two and a half pounds. Is that what I'm hearing about ish? Well, it so varies because if I'm just doing the one meal a day, it's oh, right. about one and a half pounds is about all I get. And then I'm like, you know, I don't want any more. But 
it certainly hasn't caused me to, you know, become underweight, become overweight. So I, I try to not emphasize at all the, the amount I, I, I usually make way more. I usually, I usually grill three or four steaks at a time mm-hmm. and I might eat one and a half. I might eat two. I might eat just one, but all the others are just meant for breakfast the next day or right. other So I, I try to not pay too much attention to it and just stop when I feel really full. Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. That makes sense. I like to ask, especially veteran carnivores, about how much you eat because what I've noticed is a lot of people that are coming from keto or, you know, are already naturally thin and they're trying to lose the last five pounds, when they start going full zero-carb carnivore and then they notice, oh my gosh, I don't have an appetite for the first time in my life, right? I don't have cravings. And so I notice that some people start eating very, very little. So they eat maybe half a pound a day, and that is it. And so I just wanted to reaffirm with talking to you and Kelly that, you know, most of you guys have great body compositions, yet you're eating over a pound of meat. And that is okay. And because I'm just afraid that so many people for the first time in their lives are, you know, having the satiety and not here, um, not feeling that constant hunger, they're starting to cut, but they're cutting too much that, you know, later the downstream effect is that their adrenals and their hormones will get messed up and then they can't do this long term. So that's just the reason why I was asking like how much you eat because yeah, myself included, I eat about one and a half to two pounds a day and I like to eat a lot of fat. So I add a lot of grass fed butter and, you know, like ghee and all those other fats. But, um, so I just wanted that, that was why I was asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of, um, supplements and electrolytes um do you do any of those things do you concern yourself about electrolytes at all no i never ever did through the whole 11 years of doing this i don't add extra salt i don't um limit my salt either i do like salt um so i will salt my my meat but no electrolytes i i I did actually and sometimes occasionally do will have you know the whole leg or foot cramp thing but yeah Honestly, I don't really think it has much to do with magnesium and potassium and probably more has to do with, you know, dehydration a little. Sometimes I get a little lax on, you know, drinking enough water. And I definitely do not have any sort of, you know, requirement on myself that I have to drink, you know, a liter of water, whatever. I just think it's crazy. I I get thirsty and I drink. Sometimes I get too busy and I think I don't drink enough water. That's probably it. But I definitely don't push myself to keep drinking a lot of water. Right. I, and I think the sort of common thought is that um, an ideal is um, half of your body weight in ounces, but it all varies, like you said. And so I agree. I think drink to thirst, but at least try to get too close to half. But I think it's like sip through the day. Don't drink guzzle it, because if you guzzle too much, then your electrolytes will be released. But 
sometimes I think the calf um, aching, it's funny because Kelly actually brought that up too. So you guys are, I feel like sometimes you guys are saying the same things. It's funny, but um, sometimes it's a little bit of the salt and, you know, you may have just been dehydrated the day before. Like you said, you may have just sweat a little bit extra and maybe you just needed a little bit more salt, but yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, I don't fret over it. I don't think, oh my God, something's going wrong with my musculature or something's going wrong. I just, you know what, there's just some little thing out of whack and within a day it's, it's, it's fine. So, right. No. And that makes a lot of sense. I think our bodies are, I mean, just going back to zero carb carnivore, I think, just from everything I've read and researched, our bodies like to be in balance. And so we don't really need all these exogenous things to support our body to be sustainable. So I think everything you're saying makes complete sense. Um, two things about your food. So one, do you ever eat like processed meats? So like deli meats, sausages, I know you um, brought up one, but do you eat a lot of like beef jerkies? Like, do you do that at all? Yeah, you know what, I, I don't, limit myself as far as um that but i also don't really seek it out and purchase a lot of it um you know if i'm having guests over i like to have a cheese and salami and kielbasa okay. platter or whatever and of course i'll pick at it and i'll have the leftovers but i won't eat it as a meal um although you know sometimes if i have i i, I do happen to like kielbasa i think it's a nice high fat meat I'm, i don't have any aversion to processed meat so to speak I, I i like hot dogs too i'll be the first to admit it. i get all beef hot dogs and i love them and chop them up saute them in nice butter and even make you know make an omelet with them <laughs> sounds sounds funny but no it uh, sounds good um but do you do you notice at all that you kind of overeat with more processed meats than like uh just real whole food meats or no possibly but again i don't really pay that much attention to mm -hmm. it because yeah. i don't binge on kielbasa i don't find like i sit there and eat the entire stick of it right. so I'm, I'm so in in that sense and that's all that i'm really concerned about is the feel that i don't have the drive to sit there and eat the the entire length of it gotcha okay so, uh, go ahead oh no i was gonna ask about dairy so the same kind of question so do, do you notice that you tend to overeat dairy then is i mean is that why you're you say you kind of tinker with it yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I just sense that and I, I've read a lot of things about there's an addictive nature to cheese and I totally feel that in myself. I warm up some cheese on a plate and eat it with a fork sometimes. Yeah. Especially if, you know, or, and I think it's good for people who are new to carnivore. If you've got a craving, have some, you know, cooked bacon in your fridge and have some cheese. And if that's one of your loves, then go ahead and eat that. Um, right. But yeah, I, I do, I do dabble back and forth with fighting with myself to, to, to not have the cheese and wanting to have my cheese back. And I, I think it's, you know, in addition to the whole carbs, it's, it's just sort of going to be a, a lifelong struggle that you have to kind of get in control and deal with. Yeah, no, I feel the same way with dairy. So I cut out cheese for a while and then I noticed I got leaner. I felt less bloat and then I brought it back. I felt bloat. I started getting like one or two like acnes and then it, I just don't feel as well. And I noticed that. But like you said, I think that's the one thing that triggers me still is so sometimes I'll just sit there and eat like a whole big block of cheese. And I'm like, whoa, how did I just do that when I never used to do that? It was probably the carbs, though. But um, and I think it's the case of morphines that, you know, kind of light up the same brain pathways as actual drugs do. But, and I think, um, like you said, some people can handle it better, but 
Yeah, one thing I've noticed is that a lot of people that first go carnivore, they um, tend to overeat cheese a lot because I think they're missing, they, you know, they really want the chips or they really want something else, but instead they just use the cheese, which has that umami satiating flavor, and then they overeat it and then they become constipated. And then a lot of them are like, see, carnivore doesn't work for me. Yeah. And so that's where I'm always like, use dairy as a lever and figure out if it really works for you. If you because the goal should be to not use food as your coping mechanism for life events right um, and so yeah that's why i was just curious how um dairy has been for you so uh, and I, I i look at it too i i i see all these chaffles and i'm tempted to go buy a waffle <laughs> i haven't done it yet for the same reason yeah i i haven't touched it because i feel like i'm going to be chaffling left and right and chaffle my way back into uh having um, even more, you know, struggles. Yeah. And, you know, life can be so simple when you stick with meat yes. and water, but it, there's no doubt we're a culture to, everything surrounds food and every, and, and aside from the whole addictive nature of the carbs, um, it's, it's just not easy. It really isn't. So how, you know, for people that are watching this that are somewhat new to carnivore or still struggling with addictions, like, what would be your recommendation? Like, how, how have you stuck with it for 11 years? I mean, have you had cheats? Um, obviously, over time, your physical symptoms are gone for the cravings for sugar. But what about the gap of those scenarios when you're emotionally really, really, um, your emotions are running high? What have you done in those scenarios to now compensate for the lack of carb addictions or like the ability to eat carbs? Yeah. Um one one of the toughest things is being in front of be, you know, being in front of one of the trigger foods, and for me, it, it's nuts. And so, you know, I make sure I have no no nuts in my house, even though it's a nice, great thing to have out for guests when they come over. That's one thing uh, that's not out for my guests. Yeah. Um, like there are trigger foods, and it's important for me to you know to try to stay away from that. Um, you know. Back in the beginning, yeah, if I had any moments where I, I did, you know, I went peach picking with my kids and just the smell and the look and the feel and the taste and the experience of it, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to have half a peach. And I just learned that that's just such a slippery slope and it's just not worth it because the peace and calm of, um, of, of how I feel not being in the grips of the, of the addiction is so much better than any food could possibly taste. And that's something I think people have to learn in their journey along the way. Um, everybody's got their own, I, I say people really have to be at some sort of point in their life. And I don't want to say desperation, but it's either the, the weight, the illness, the diabetes, the depression, um, the eating disorder, uh, you know, whatever it is for people, but they have to be, I, I, I hate to use that term rock bottom like they do with alcoholics and AA, but um, th this isn't like a, a, a an overnight easy, okay, this is going to work, I'm going to do it. I mean, you, everybody's got a lifelong of favorite foods and things their family's going to push on them and socializing with friends and it's just not easy. And so I think everybody is going to go down their own path. And the only thing I, I suggest and recommend is just keep yourself on a daily basis in, in, in contact with whether you're reading on um, either forums or groups of carnivores, 
um, making, you know, specific individual support friends, and it just makes it so much, so much better. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So how have you, I guess, dealt with the times where you used to turn to food, right? So like the emotional component. So did you find a new habit? Like what have you done sort of to kind of fill those voids for you? Oh, gosh, good question. I guess over the years, just um, different things have changed for me as far as hobbies and things I like to do. And, you know, I, I like to um, golf. I live on the beach. Sometimes it's just listening to music and walking on the beach. Okay. Um, there, there's, And I'm, I'm actually trying to delve into um, meditation a little bit now. Um, I'm going to look into doing some yoga just, just to have another outlet and just something interesting to do. But I, I think it is important to have alternative aside from, you know, the carnivore depleting the cravings, there's still that emotional, mental yes. connection that's really important to handle also. Do you, would you say that in the last 11 years, your I guess the triggers and the cravings have subsided a lot? Um, do you still struggle at all out from the emotional component? Or aspect of it? Exactly. I, I, I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell anybody and everybody that this is the greatest, easiest thing in the world to do. And it's also at the same time, the worst and the hardest. <laughs> um, so there, there's, there's, I, I believe, and, and it, this has just been my experience in almost 11 years of this, is that the struggle is always going to be there. And I hate to use the term struggle, but I don't, there's no other way around it to me. The, the draw and the addiction and the drive for that taste of sweet and to want to go back to your favorite, whether it's lasagna or ice cream or cookies or a bagel, whatever it is, it's there. It's in front of our face constantly. I, I liken it to being, having to be a, a, a sober, you know, an alcoholic who's sober, who's forced to be a bartender the rest of their life. Oh, yeah. You know, because no matter whether if I'm at meetings and it's 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 crazy, I'm at my, you know, a, a meeting, it's a room full of physicians and we get there and they have, you know, buffet breakfast and there's, you know, croissants and fruit and bagels and I'm thinking and muffins. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is like, you know, I, I, I think it's um, there, there's just no way around it. You know, even just walking through an airport to airport to take a flight the smells oh go in the mall and smell that auntie ann's yeast those pretzels it's just they i think they pipe the the aroma out into <laughs> into the mall just to you know yeah i, I totally know what you're talking about um and and then I, I i i quickly think to myself well you know what let me let me try to get myself to a uh, fogo de chow and start smelling the barbecued meat and be thankful and grateful that I found this and that I can eat as much meat as I want. It tastes good. It nourishes me and it's really healthy. So that's like the flip side for me. And I, you know, I, I like to, like I, like I said, it's the easiest thing and the hardest thing. So. Yeah. No, I, I can fully relate. And I really appreciate your candor because a lot of people come to carnivore thinking, Oh, you know, people lose like 50 pounds in a week. Right. And so they have these, ideals that you know this is the bulletproof diet where it's so easy and that you know you go meet and you become super slim and but I think it's a journey right so I think it's getting away from your addictions and um, it that's 
all your lifelong childhood memories that relate to all our different senses that you know the smell the noise the the time of year all of that will affect your emotions which will normally is a cue and a habit and behavior and so we always turn to those foods and so even for me um for months and months and months when i'm full zero carb carnivore i can see a food and not really feel the emotions but some days when i'm running kind of high on my emotions or i haven't slept enough i do notice that i start craving things especially and then i wonder oh did my deli meat have some sugar in it but I, I think it's, um, so I liken it to A Beautiful Mind. Have you watched that movie? No, I haven't. Somebody has said I should see this. So I forgot his name, but the main actor, he is schizophrenic. So he sees these imaginary people. And so over time, the movie teaches them how to differentiate what's reality and what's not. And so by the end of it, he gets this award. And I forgot what exactly, but it totally reminded me of my eating disorder. So even though he could see these kind of invisible children and he sees them now, but he can now differentiate, oh, that's not reality. I'm still going to live in my real life. I see you, but I'm choosing to ignore you. And I was like, that is exactly how an eating disorder works. I think once Pandora's box opens and you know, like the good and bad of foods and like the cravings and all that, you have to choose then later to say, I see the food. I kind of want you, but I know what you also do to me because I've hit rock bottom and I'm choosing not to touch you, right? So, like, I feel like that's what you're or said you've gone through and that that's, like, been my journey with it. And it's just I've been through moments where I'll touch, like, keto foods or nut, like, nuts has been a huge trigger for me, too. And I know now I just can't like, I don't care how much I've been on the wagon or whatever you want to call it, but I know those foods and ultimately how low I feel and very quickly. And so it's just, like you said, it's like the blessing and the curse of being on the carnivore diet, I guess, but it's, um, it's so freeing though. And, um, the life that you can live after, I think it's so beneficial. So, but I mean, thank you. You know, I think it's, I think a lot of people want to know this, want to know, you know, what happens with the emotional part of the cravings. And I think what I'm hearing from you is you just need to find other avenues. And when you feel the triggers, you just, you know, need to go and find a fogo jital, right? And um, better yourself because it's just not worth it. Yeah. And the other thing too, that um, I feel that the whole nose to tail thing, that is so not in my vocabulary. Like for me, I want to, and and all the power to you. If you enjoy liver and kidney and heart, go for it. That's great. Um, but, you know, I, I just want at least any, anybody who's interested in 11 year carnivore to know that I do not eat that stuff and I have no desire to, and I have no desire to put that pressure on myself that I need certain nutrients or vitamins from it. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate, at, le- at least my body doesn't need it. So um, I, I don't put that pressure on myself to try to get that into my diet at all and never will. And carnivores, has there ever been discussions about um, nose to tail um, and eating nose to tail? Yeah, there, there has been. And it's the, the general consensus of everybody through my whole, you know, carnivore veterans contact has been no no requirement whatsoever of eating nose to tail nobody's you know been ill and been told oh you're short on you know this vitamin or that and you got to start eating organ meat um so 
it really has just come across. Um, and the same thing with um, eating grass-fed, hormone-free, all this and that. I, 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 sh I shop the sales at stores. I go to Costco. Uh, and, and the general consensus is eat the meat you like and you can afford. And um, I think it, it's hard enough as it is to overcome the the whole socialization of eating this way. I mean, I used to panic if we were invited to like a dinner party and I was wondering if they were gonna serve lasagna and garlic bread and thinking, oh my God, how weird and awkward and embarrassing. I, I literally felt it would be for me to sit there and say, sorry, I can't eat your food. Right. Um, it's hard enough. And, and there, right. all those things are just so really easy to get through and get over. And that's why I think it's important for people who are just starting out with this just get a support network, um, you know, people you can talk to. I've always, I mean, I've, I've coached a lot of, of my personal friends through this. I had a friend who had um, bipolar, manic depression, and I, this was three years ago now, I, we were sitting on the beach and she opened up to me about it. And I, she knew I'd been carnivore all these years and just thought mm -hmm. I was the, the wacky friend who ate only meat. And I put her in touch with um, Amber O'Hearn, and um, she spoke to her, and she it was, was practically in tears. I changed her life and her husband's life, um, getting her onto this. And she still, to this day, is, is carnivore and, and thanks me. And um, I just think that, you know, everybody has their, their own journey to this, but it, I... I just, I'm always open to helping anybody. I mean, she would text me and ask me, is this okay? Is that okay? Can I have this? Do you have any recipes for that? Um, uh, what do you do if this happens? And it's just really helpful to have that support because there's going to be all the family and friends that are going to be naysayers and say, what wacky diet are you on now? Right. And, um, you know, everybody realizes I'm not on a wacky fad diet at this point. <laughs> So, um, you know, as carnivore is um, becoming more popular, there are, you know, different cooks in the kitchen. There are people that say you got to eat nose to tail. Some people are like, you got to eat only grass finished. Um, and so it's refreshing to hear that, you know what, let's make it really simple and just eat meat and eat to satiety and kind of everything will fall into place. Right. And, so and if you want to fine tune it with hormone free, organic, whatever later, and you read about something about that that really you know hits home with you that you you, you believe in then then do it but initially i think it, it there's too much complicating factors it's just like i said it's just you know it's it's not easy at the beginning to just jump in and do this uh you know outright so just don't make it harder on yourself than it has to be yeah well thank you for that um have you over the years gotten a lot of blood work done um I'm sure people are going to wonder, you know, your cholesterol markers and, you know, just yeah. the other kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I had just because, I mean, being a physician, I wasn't going to take this lightly. Right. <laughs> Even though, like, like I said to me, if, if, if it was the cure for eating disorders and carb addiction, it was good enough for me. And if I was going to deal with something on the side, it was still worth it because the other part was so devastating and horrible yes. for me. But um, so I was like, well, you know what, let me get some blood work done. And through the years, I had yeah, maybe every other year I'd have blood drawn. And it's always been perfect. Like my triglycerides are like 35. Wow. And, yeah. I mean, it's like ridiculous. Like there's nothing wrong. 
And um, so I, I basically just stopped having the blood work done. And plus a lot of what I was reading on the forum of all of us veterans was, you know, they don't really actually know what the ideal range is for a carnivore. And let's say man's been eating this way for millions of years. They didn't have, you know, the guidelines of the, the you know, you can be from here to here. And then all of a sudden you get flagged when you're out here and oh, we got to do something about it. Well, who knows what the here to here is for a carnivore? You know, we don't have those studies, so I just, I don't, you know, I, I, I guess it obviously if, they, if I had some sort of symptoms of something and, you know, I, I would look into it, but I've literally been the picture of health for the past 11 years, and I, um, I, I, I really, I, I, you know, I don't want to say I'm embarrassed to say, I just don't even bother to get blood work anymore. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I was doing some research for my book and we're, I was looking at the vitamin C arguments. And so it's funny, but I think it was in the 1990s or 2000, I forget when, but they basically doubled the um, amount that you need of vitamin C. And it's just like, what happened that year that they decided that you now need 100% more of the daily value, right? So I completely agree. I mean, I don't think they know what um, a carnivore should. Um, That's based on people who eat the standard American diet. Right. Exactly. Really what it is. So it doesn't right. apply to us, <laughs> luckily. Yeah. No, I agree. So, you know, where where do you stand with the, so, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some on social media where people, you know, ground up, um, you know, they clean eggshells and they ground them up and they're like, oh, this is the best way to get the best absorption of um uh, what's it called? What, calcium. Some people like pour collagen powder on top of their steak saying, I need to balance my methionine and glycine. Uh, what else? Um, some they, people. Why are they doing that? Are they doing it because theoretically they think they need to, or do they feel like they really have some sort of deficit that they're going, like, God, this is the only way I can get it? I, I see no reason to, <laughs> you know, throw collagen or throw anything on my good meat to ruin it. Yeah, I think it's the former. So I think it's, um, you, you know, someone will bring up a topic where they say, hey, if you eat too much muscle meat, then your amino acids aren't balanced. You may be getting too much saturated fat or too much omega-6. So but, here's how you balance. So you're, you're eating so much meat, your, must, your kidneys must be, you know, way overtaxed. Right, overly taxed, right? Or the... Yeah. Not so man for millions of years hunted animals, ate them, and their kidneys were bad because they ate too much protein. I don't think so. Yeah, so I just keep going back to that man for millions of years. This was the you know the, the way of um of their nutrition, and they weren't grinding eggshells. And <laughs> I do, I mean, for me, for vitamin D, I you can see I, I love the sun, I, I head south in, in the winter. Um, I, I'm on the beach in the summer and I feel like I don't need to supplement. I think man for millions of years was out in the savannah, you know, hunting animals and got plenty of sun and not slathering on the chemicals of the sunscreen on them either. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can, I, I wrote a whole blog post on the sunscreen, but yeah, I, I'm on oh, the same thing. Have, I'll have to read that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, send it to you. I'll put it in the show, show notes too. Okay. Um, so what about your family? Are they carnivores? Do they eat low carb? Um, how are your kids diet, your husband? Well, so my kids were 10 and 11 when I started this. Okay. Um, I actually, so, you know, they were well ingrained in the pasta and the pizza and everything of, you know, what, what kids will typically eat. I was not 
in my mind going to change that in any way other than possibly hopefully being a positive influence sure. uh, i did not want to um, create any sort of food thoughts that might lead to eating disorders in my daughter i was happy to see she seemed to be pretty well just cruising along without any weight issues um and i also feel like i don't think i obviously if my kids were younger i would have loved to have brought them up through this whole whole carnivore thing um but i i feel strongly about not really trying to dictate what anybody else puts in their mouth um with my kids i did try to explain why i was doing what i was doing how i felt it was the healthiest way to eat why i felt um bread really wasn't healthy for us but again at that age and my um my husband at the time uh was was really not supportive he's everything in moderation kind of guy and was not keen on me um just throwing lots of meat on the grill and so i you know i'd have to I'd make the rice and i you know I'd, I'd make the veggies and that was difficult for me um you know dealing with that and i'll tell you one of the most difficult things was um i don't know i i guess when they were it was probably into high school where my my kids obviously fully know the way mom eats and my son would come home from you know health class that they have of course telling me mom that's really not healthy uh -huh. you know, and him listening to you know the teachers are the be all end all of the the wealth of knowledge and he's trying to explain to me that you know you got to eat lean meat and fish and um all the vegetables and fruit and I said well actually <laughs> you know and that was very frustrating and I, I pretty much had to let that go also with my parents you think you know your daughter's a doctor and she's telling you how you can reverse your diabetes get healthy lose weight and nobody wanted to listen oh my god I had a, can't I can't imagine life without bread oh my gosh my apples oh this oh that and you know Again, I, I just realized over time that everybody is truly on their own journey and has to get led to whatever it is they need to find on their own with hopefully the help and guidance of, of others who might be able to influence them. But it's very, very difficult to talk to somebody unless they're at the, their end game of, <laughs> of frustration in, in their own situation. They say it's either people change for two reasons. It's either abject misery or it's divine inspiration. And it's normally the abject misery that causes people to change. I mean, that's just, you know, we're kind of creatures of habit. And so unless things get really bad, you're not really wanting to change. I think I think just learning by example um, over time as they, they grow is what's going to really be the, the, the yeah. crux of how they'll improve. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Um, switching gears a little bit. So as an eye doctor, I know you see a lot of patients, you know, obviously one of the things that can go bad once you don't manage your diabetes is your vision. You can lose your vision. So do you try to educate your patient? It's, it's, um, it's very difficult because um, there really is a standard of care that's expected. And certainly telling somebody to eat nothing but meat is not the standard of care. I have I have some diabetics who I've, you know, I diagnose some bleeding in the back of their eye. I say, you've got diabetic retinopathy. Mm -hmm. And I say, you know, it's really important to control your blood sugar. I said, you know, does your doctor talk to you about 
what you eat. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I talked to a nutritionist, and I eat really healthy. I said, okay. I said, what did you have for breakfast? Oh, I had a bowl of oatmeal and a banana. And I go, really? <laughs> I said, well, well, actually, you know, your body does not tolerate carbohydrates, and a bowl of oatmeal and banana does nothing for you other than cause you to inject more insulin to try to get you know your your sugar under control and when and, and when I sense somebody is truly at a point I have patients who go I can just tell I, I have this sense of who's really at that point where they're ready to listen and and I do I, I write down Dr. Bernstein's diabetes solution I write down um, zeroing on on health and zero carb health a couple of the websites I just tear it off hand it to them and I say I didn't tell you this but do some internet research and I have a, a, quite a few patients who come back 40 pounds later six months later and really truly so grateful and um, so it's rewarding but I like I said it's very limiting to what what I can do um, you know patients who are diabetic get cataracts at an earlier age um, and, and really the only thing I can basically tell them is they really have to control their their glucose and unfortunately a lot of them just think that means going back to the doctor getting their a1c number and and the doctor adjusting the medication yeah. so I've eaten too much dessert this month I need to have some more metformin and you know that's <laughs> hey guys, sorry, we're going to continue the talk. Uh, we had a little uh, glitch and so we were cut off, but okay. So we are going to continue the talk about uh, Lisa and her patients. Yeah, so mainly with the patients, I feel they have to be at a point where they are ready to receive the information because I have learned <laughs> and it, it, it floors me that somebody has actually got bleeding in their eye and I'm telling them how important it is and they basically say that they would rather just inject more insulin than have to give up their carbs. So I've heard that too. Yeah. It's so unfortunate. Right. What if I, I don't know? Like, what if the doctors actually said to them, "You could cure yourself of this diabetes and get off your medication if you ate carnivore." Like, what percentage of people would do that? Listen to it. Try it. I don't know, but it, I just don't see it. I don't know how many years it would take before, you know, there would, that would be a possibility for a physician to actually say that. You know, there's just too much money in the pharmaceutical industry and in the medical field to um, think that that's actually going to come about, but it would be great if it did. Yeah, no, I mean, that would be the goal. Um, my mom, she had diabetes and she was on metformin. She wasn't controlling her sugar so in the morning she would have like 180 with metformin and uh she i think had glaucoma lost all her teeth but now she's carnivore for almost a year and a half now and she reversed everything i mean she you know she has some of the damage of the diabetes not being managed but i mean she's a firm believer and my mom grew up 60 plus years eating rice wow. and now won't touch it because like you said it was the abject misery that she's willing to never go back and but now she how, has awesome, how awesome that she actually listened to you yeah I, and it's rare because trust me everyone else in my life my personal life is just i'm like a quack right so yeah, yeah i i totally get it i get it yeah um i i you know but i do wish i hope that the standard of care changes and that it's you know we go more fat um more heavily fat focused and meat focused 
Um, I think one of the reasons why it's so hard for people to quit is because they try to do that moderator in terms of sugar. And so you never fully get over the sugar addiction or carb addiction. And so when you try to even eat meat based, you still want that carb. And so unless you go full carnivore, you'll never feel that freedom. And I just think people are scared to just eat meat. Right. And I, I realized just from coaching um, certain personal friends that the diet Coke addiction is massive. Like oh, yeah. People and sna- diet Snapple, they cannot give up this, this stuff. And I just tell them, I say, go online and just Google dangers of NutraSweet, dangers of aspartame. I said, go on and actually do that and just try to start learning and educating so your mindset's different instead of just, I, I want it, I can't do without it, to, oh my gosh, I don't want it and I don't want this in my body. It, it has to be, a, like I said, it's a journey, it's a learning process, and nobody's just going to outright say, give up your Diet Coke, it's, you know, it's not good for you. So, you know, but the taste of sweet is definitely a driving force, I, I believe. I don't think anybody has a shot at staying carnivore and staying off carbs if they're still drinking Diet Coke. Yeah, that was me. So last year, around this time, the only thing I was drinking was the diet sodas, and um, it, it just... I, it was just, it just had me spiral basically back to keto treats and all that. And it's, um, and that was the last thing that was hardest for me to give up was the diet sodas. And I realized how addictive they are. It actually, it makes me want to buy stock in Coca-Cola. I'll tell you that. Cause I cannot believe I have another friend who's addicted to Mountain Dew and oh my gosh, it has the food coloring. That's so bad for you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like antifreeze. <laughs> Yeah, um, when my book comes out, I'll send the excerpt of Mountain Dew that I talk about specifically, and I'll send it to you so you can send it oh, to your friends. I used to love Mountain Dew too, but it is probably the worst of all the sodas because of the food coloring in it. That is, it it basically sucks out, it like dries out your skin in a way that's like, um, it's so toxic. And, I'll, and it's like in some case, all those like bright food colored sodas all have it. Yeah, a little bit. Do you think that this diet is for everyone? Um, I mean, what is your take on it? Well, I, honestly, my gut feeling is yes, it is for everyone. Um, but it's only for people who, like I said, have, have reached some sort of desperation point of needing their why. Um, you know, there, there's there's no motivation for somebody who seems to be healthy or just has slight maladies to go to this extreme so but health wise do I think you know I don't think there's any of this blood type or if you're if you're this blood type you need this kind of diet and you should be a vegetarian if you're this no I don't I don't believe that I'm a full um, I'm a I'm a I'm a full believer of you know evolution that you know I, I keep going back to it man for millions of years hunted animals and and ate them and that's really what we evolved on and the healthiest way to eat. Yeah, no, I mean, right. Um, just a hundred years ago, there was almost no heart disease. So I think even saying eating like generations ago, it would be more of a meat and fat based diet. So I think it yeah. totally makes sense. Um, my, friends, my friends would say, you know, um, well, it's, it's great that works for you. Everybody's different. Oh, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm like, all right, we're, we're really different. Okay. I mean, I think we're from the same human genome. And <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no. Um, so I always say this, but I think a lot of it is people seem to be attacking because it's never really about you, but they need to kind of attack you so that then they can keep doing what they're doing. Otherwise, if they agreed with you, right, then they would have to then change their diet because there's dissonance in their mind of, wait, so if I agree with Lisa and that her diet is advantageous for you, then what am I doing, right? So it's more easier and um, it's more easier to just say, oh, you're crazy, Lisa, and you do what you want to do, even though I think you're kind of crazy. And, and make all that whole statement, everybody's different. That's what people tell me. Yeah. Everybody's different. I know. It, yeah. I know the the excuses, all the justifications. There's there's tons and tons. What would be your advice um, as a veteran carnivore and just having kind of gone through everything um, over a decade of just eating meat, struggling with eating disorders, and then healing from it? Um, you know, having the naysayers, being in a um, a career where you're seeing patients that are diabetic. From everything you've experienced, what you're seeing on social media today and how there's a lot of, you know, excess stuff that may not be needed, what would be your sort of advice for somebody, you know, that wants to do carnivore, is carnivore curious, or is just starting carnivore? What would be sort of advice that you'd like to give them? Yeah, I I think um, probably one of the, the best things would be, and I hate to use the 30-day experiment, I like to say 60, because to me, the first 30 days can be a little bit of too much of an adjustment period where somebody's too quick to say, this isn't for everybody and this isn't for me. Um, you know, I, I, and I can't pinpoint what that adjustment period is. I ask different people, um, you know, it could be two weeks, it could be two months, but, um, but, but just jumping in and doing it, um, and, and for me, and, and one of the things that I've learned is there's just no in between. I, 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 I can't see eating the, the, you know, the, the, the stevia and the keto snacks. And for me, and, and, and maybe it is different for people. Maybe some people can have a little bit of that and be totally fine. It is totally not fine for me. It's not, it's not like, oh, I can have a little of this and I'd be able to just walk away from it. It, it just triggers a very, very downward spiral down a slippery slope that is so not worth it. And um, so I, I think just making the, the big attempt, and again, it's, it's where somebody is in their life uh, as to how willing they are, but get the support, contact daily of different people who are also doing this. And that's why your, you know, 75 hard was such a great thing, I think, for a lot of people to get that support of, um, you know, a whole community of people attempting the same thing. Right. Um, but it, it, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think for, for truly um, carb addicted people, and I, and I even put, um, I put a lot of people in that category, not just eating disorders, um, but oh, yeah, a lot of people um, that, getting rid of all those little, what I call Franken foods, the little, let me make this taste like that and pretend I can eat this. And, and it's just, um, in my experience, no bueno. <laughs> no, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, I totally agree. One question I had for you is, you know, you've been veteran a carnivore for over 11 years. There's been a movement for over three years now, I think, and it's getting, you know, just bigger, why are you sharing your story now or, you know, I know you're friends with all the veteran carnivores, but why are you being more vocal now? 
Um, well, I, th I think a large part of it was the first two to three years of doing this, I was very heavily into the zeroing in on health community and we had a great group of people and we would, you know, do meetups usually once or twice a year, different people would actually fly to them. And it, it was just um, a big part of, of the support and what I did. And then a lot of us just gradually because life, I don't want to say got boring, but it was just so good and even keeled. You kind of just go by the wayside and live your life. And, right. you know, and, and there's just not such a, um, a drive to just constantly be talking about, you know, everything about carnivore because you just went about and ate the food you, you know, the meat you liked. And, um, so I, I, and then I also realized as much as I wanted to get on my soapbox and shout it from the rooftops, how, how great this can be for so many people. I realized that it's just better just kind of being quiet. And just, if I'm at a meal with a whole group of people, I just, you know, order my steak and I just don't touch the vegetables and nobody notices. And right. it's easier that way than dealing with, Oh my God, what do you mean you don't eat vegetables? Oh, you know, and it, you know, I, I guess that's really why I just kind of, you know, just kind of uh, sat back and just um, went about life instead. But now with um, this whole new movement, um, I'm, I, I, and, and, and I do it on a daily basis, actually, you know, when I'm at work. So I, I haven't been silent on it. I, like I said, I do try to, and I, I think I have really made an impact on quite a few patients. Right. Um, but in, in, the, in the more social media realm of it, if, you know, I feel like if I can help somebody and help coach somebody or help um, guide somebody or just give them a little bit of support or that little bit of, oh my gosh, you've been doing this almost 11 years that just having somebody out there, you know, you know, there, there's, there's quite a few of us now, um, just to know that, you know what, this is sustainable as far as your health. And that's, I think one of the, I think that's actually a big concern of a lot of people. It, it is. It, it absolutely people that say otherwise, you know, Yes, there's a lot of doctors out there that say it's not sustainable that um, the vitamin C deficiencies, the vitamin D deficiencies, the amino acids not being in balance that over time and it could take a couple years to show the deficiencies. And so I think it's so powerful that someone like you who's been doing it for 11 years has clear markers is, you know, even though it's an anecdotal story, it shows that, hey, you really know, don't have scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it shows that, hey, look, I'm not eating grass fed. I'm not even eating nose to tail. I'm not even worrying about what's the best quality meat. I'm just eating what's on sale and just eating whole meats for the most part. And look, I'm healing and I'm doing well and I'm thriving. And we didn't even mention your name on the call, but you know, you're, and you, like you said, you can rock a bikini and we'll have to share one of those pictures, but you know, it's a, uh, it's a testament that, Hey, look, I'm not just doing okay. I'm, you know, rocking life. It's and I think been a, a, a life changing, amazing um, thing for me. And I almost get choked up into tears that I am so grateful and thankful that I found this. And um, I'm just so excited to hopefully have other people, you know, grasp that golden ticket too. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. I went through the same thing. I thought I would have to struggle with an eating disorder for the rest of my life. And I didn't think it was as simple as food being medicine. And it is. And I mean, that's part of the reason I'm here. And so yeah, I think um, if people were to just try it, right. And that's kind of why I wrote the book the way I did is, hey, just try it as an elimination diet. Don't marry to it. Try for 30 days. And I hope that many people that really eat it clean will, you know, have their eyes opened and be like, wow, I never want to go back to these foods that are so restrictive and that suck away my life. Yep. Definitely. So yeah, I'm excited for you to share your story and tell everyone about, you know, your healing journey. And I, I know people are going to just embrace you because, you know, that it's that fear, that fear of the unknown people, a lot of doctors saying, this is not the right diet, you guys are going to really be in a lot of pain. And then you can be right there and say, really, like, that's not my story at all. And so yeah. Lisa, like, I'm so glad you came out or you're being more active on social media. And I hope that you know, you are able to heal more and more people because I know you have the story and you have the backing to it. You have the 11 years of saying, yeah, that that and I think the added credibility of of, of being a physician. Yes. And I think that um, people realize I'm obviously I wouldn't take my own health lightly. And right. if I'm doing it thriving and ready to jump out of my skin to tell everybody about it, if I, if I only could, I would, um, that there, there's something to be said for it. And as wacky as it, as it, as it seems to anybody on the outside looking in, it, it really is, um, such an amazing life changing thing for so many people in need. Yes. And thank you so much. Um, you know, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story and, you know, even being a support for the community. I will share all your information, but where can people find you? Um, how should people contact you if you can give a little bit of information? Yeah, I, I guess the easiest is is Instagram, um, Carnivore Doctor. Um, I'd be happy to answer, uh, you know, any um, questions or messages you want to send. Okay. Yeah. So I'll link to that and um, I'll link to the zero in on health. I think they're a Facebook group now. So I'll, yes, they are. As well, yeah. Zeroing um, in on health. Yep. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for your time and um, yeah, we'll have to do this again. This was very, yeah. Helpful. And I'm hopefully I'm going to come out to Austin in June oh, to be able to meet. Okay. Yeah. 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 Definitely. We'll, we'll have to um, eat meat together. That'll be so fun. Looking forward to it. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll see you soon. Bye. Thank Bye. You. Alright guys, I hope that that was amazing for you. I hope that's encouraging and knowing that you can actually heal with me. Alright guys, make sure to take care of yourselves. Please make sure to subscribe. This is the way that I'm able to provide more free content for you guys. Please like this video and I will talk to you guys next week. Make sure to eat a lot of meat and take care of your body because it is the only place you have to live. Alright guys, have a good one and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. We will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.